Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Shelley Tasker Show here, coming out of CornwallRevolutionRadio.blogspot.com. It's good to have your company. If you'd like to join in with the chat, click on the live chat room link at the top right-hand side of your screen, just below the player of your choice. Today's date is Wednesday, the 23rd of September. Hosting alongside myself later on this evening are Charlie and Rainbow and Nina Elston from London and Live. Our guest this evening is the one and only Piers Corbin. Welcome, Piers. Welcome. It's fantastic to be here. And, well, last week when I was in Truro was also a fantastic event. It was, it was. And it was lovely to meet you and get to go and have a drink after as well. And you've got no ego, I've got to say. You've got no ego. No. (laughs) You you mix with the public well. (laughs) Well, absolutely, of course, yes. I, I've, uh, well, I've lived on a council estate uh, for the last 47 years, so, you know, I... I uh, well, you, yeah, you're with the real people. I meet, I meet a wide range of people. Yeah, I'm sure. And obviously, for those that um, are listening and they don't know, I'm, I'm sure most people do, but you are the older brother of a very nearly Prime Minister, Correct. Jeremy, um, a political family. And uh, obviously, I've met you, I met you in Truro last week, and I came to the um, rally in August at London and saw you speak. Um, August 29th, yeah. Yeah, that's right, and that was a, an amazing day. So, um, lots to talk about, really. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to go back to, like, a long time ago first, and then we can get up to, like, where we are now. Um, I've been doing a bit of research on you. Um, I hope, hope it's true research and not BBC research. <laughs> good, okay. good old Wikipedia's got a good lot of info about you. Well, but, I wouldn't believe most of what you read in Wikipedia. But, <laughs> well, they, they fiddle. When I've changed, put things right in Wikipedia, within 10 minutes they change them back into some, some nonsense. Oh, right. So, Nothing surprises me. <laughs> maybe some things on there which are true. Right. My age, being 37, for example. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Um, so, what I'm interested in, I mean, there's so much to ask, really. And um, I was reading that you were aged five when you started getting into climate conditions and the weather forecast and stuff. Is this right? Uh, yes, it is. I, I don't know if I was five or six or seven, but it was something like five because I was kind of interested in everything that went on around me um and i had poor eyesight so the consequence of that was i would think about things more than possibly children who've got good eyesight because they have to draw conclusions from things i don't know but anyway uh yes i had a discussion with my father about what was a dew pond because when you look on a map they had these things called dew ponds yeah uh which the victorians uh, put on the sides of hills to collect water which they believed had formed from dew and he said to me i must have been older than five when this this happened he said to me that he didn't actually think that they the dew pond actually worked and it wasn't wasn't uh, you know this story was just well not correct so i said all right i'll make a dew pond then so I, i dug on the we had this garden which had a slope in it you see so i dug a pond in it and uh, then waited for it to fill up every time there was a heavy dew uh, and put clay in it to make sure it didn't leak away. But it did not work. There was no dew, never enough dew to collect. Wow. So that was my first experiment. God. <laughs> that... <laughs> At the age of about, 
I don't know, six or seven, I think. So you were constructing your own equipment to try and get answers and do some scientific experiments? Well, yes, I did loads of that when later on I built a whole lot of uh, scientific equipment, a, a rain gauge, an average temperature thermometer, a wind vane, a, a wind speed measure, an average soil density meter, um, uh, and I measured the conductivity of the soil as well, the electrical conductivity. Right. Um, anyway, some of these things were published in the Royal Meteorological Society magazine called Weather um, when I was still at school. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did, did, did you get any of this um, sort of stimulation from your parents, so to speak? Were they interested oh, yeah. in these sort of things? Yeah, my parents were both scientific in outlook. Right. And I suppose my father's view of the world was uh, two questions, really. Is it true? Does it work? Uh, and, you know, I think... Uh, two great questions. I, I follow, follow this principle to apply to everything political or economic or social... Um, or scientific. Yeah, yeah. So, so you went on at school, and then you went to the Imperial College in London and obtained a first-class degree in physics. I did. And then you attended the postgraduate studies at the Queen May College. Right, yeah, but before that, yeah, but I, I started doing postgraduate work in Imperial and solid-state right. physics, superconductivity, um, uh, with some theoretical physics, and then. Um, became president of the student union for a year, which was fun, in which time I met Her Majesty the Queen, who came there to open the block, the new block. Right. Um, anyway, it was politically very exciting time, and we achieved all we'd set out to achieve with the college authorities. Uh, namely, they, I, I had been elected to get student representation and uh, so forth, and that was a good agreed 100%. In fact, we got more than we'd originally asked for. Um, then I went off to do, uh, well, I was doing housing and squatting campaigning and a part-time MSc on astrophysics in Queen Mary College, uh, which I obtained in 1982, I think. Right. <clears throat> the um, I, I was reading something about in is this uh, this is going back a bit before then the sabbatical union press um president the grant to waive fees you um set up a council with the imperial college almost gave yeah. the students a majority yeah well there's lots of things on wikipedia which are uh, <laughs> yeah no that, is that a that, true that, one <laughs> well yeah when i was elected president it was not a sabbatical post but the rector i.e. vice-chancellor in modern terms, agreed to make me sabbatical, which was fine, so I could do that full-time. Um, but jointly with the trade unions, we did set up a really quite a novel revolutionary idea of a Imperial College representative council, uh, which had students, trade unionists, um, uh, various staff uh, from teaching as well as, um, you know, uh, running the college. Um and that was the idea was that the college authorities would consult with that, um, not just the individual organisations like the students or the trade unions separately. Um, and it worked in principle well because we worked together well. However, the college authorities didn't want to do it because you can see what's happening is that 
all their potential opposition is then united in front of them. So they wanted to avoid doing this by any means possible. Um, and uh, their resistance to it after I became was president was also too high. So it, it actually uh, fell away. But the idea was really quite quite inspiring and it was a joint thing from the students and the trade unions the ASTMS association which had originally been the association of scientific workers but the ASTMS was the association of scientific technical and managerial staffs right so so was this your sort your first sort of time at being active and getting political so to speak uh, yes. Uh, well, not the first time. I did start doing political activity when I was nine. I remember I was nine at the time, um, which is about the Vietnam War, you know, uh, yeah. promoting opposition to the Vietnam War. So this, you see, the Vietnam War in my time was the issue which young people focused upon and tried to understand, just like my parents' time, their Vietnam War, if you like, was the Spanish Civil War. Um, more recently, of course, issues in Iraq have been the, the war issues which have radicalised um, young people largely. Right. So so what were you doing at nine years old? Um, I was sticking up posters on on the, on, on the railway bridge in Newport, Shropshire, saying, <laughs> saying stop the Vietnam War or peace in Vietnam or something on those lines. At nine years old. <laughs> and were your parents yeah, helping you to do this? Well, not exactly. They they, 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 uh, they, didn't mind, I think. But if I'd asked them, they probably would have said no. But, you know, after I'd done it. I remember phoning up the newspaper and saying, there's some posters on the wall. And the newspaper reporter immediately said, did you put them there? And then I put the phone down. Oh, brilliant. Nine years <laughs> old. That's amazing. <laughs> so... After that, I mean, you went on to do the weather forecasts. Yeah, about was was that next? Was that before the housing and squatter rights that you started for the well, leader of the tenants? The housing and squatting in the seventies, nineteen seventy-five. So right. The astrophysics followed that, but I carried on in housing and squatting in various ways for a long time. Um, yeah, could you? You mentioned it in Troy the other day. What you did as part of the housing and squatter rights? Can you tell us a bit yes. about that? Well, that particular thing, we had a a big band of squatters in Paddington, Elgin Avenue, Paddington, where I'd originally squatted in there because you know it was, it was the only way to get a place to to live because the rents had gone up, and we'd we'd taken we'd we'd taken the landlord to court for high rents. We went to a rent tribunal, we got the rent halved, and then we got a notice to quit. And you didn't have furnished tenancy security in those days. So we were out. So my brother, not Jeremy, another brother, uh, Andrew, who subsequently, he died at age 57. Um, but he said to me, uh, Piers, why don't we squat? And I said, don't be silly, only hippies do that. And <laughs> anyway, we did, and it worked. And I thought we'd just squat for a few uh, a few weeks or months. And, and then there was attempts by the GLC to remove everyone. So I got involved in a campaign that I thought would last a couple of months. But it lasted three years. And at the end of it, though, we did get rehousing for everybody in the street. Wow. 200 people in the street. We'd squatted. We were involved in a squat of nine, uh, well, numbers nine to 51, which is what 
uh, Elgin Avenue, the odd numbers. Um, so there were about 200 people there, and we got rehousing from them all. But the build-up to that was very significant because the uh, powers that be were always trying to evict us. They couldn't evict us from that street so well because it was uh, all the houses would be stand or fall together in the court. Uh, and we did win one court case. Um, but the whole area, we wanted to build up more and more squats. But we kept getting evicted. And then, as I said on the intruder, I said we started this slogan, one eviction, two squats. And every time a, a landlord or council evicted uh, a house, which was squatted and otherwise would have been empty, of course, um, we took over two in replacement. And, you know, we grew and grew. And uh because of the impact we made when we got rehoused in elgin avenue uh after building barricades and getting support from local tenants and trade unions after that the movement carried on uh for glc squatters as a whole and after four years the glc then run by the tories gave tenancies to all their squatters which was ten thousand. And as I said on the demonstration, this was the same Tories who four years before had said we we were political agitators, hippies and dropouts and young tourists and, and should not be given any housing whatsoever. But uh, they changed their minds or rather we changed their minds and then they made proper use of the otherwise empty properties. Brilliant. Need more of that now. <laughs> so many empty oh, properties absolutely. about... That's right, and the law has been made more difficult for them. But if they are not residential properties, you can still occupy them as protest. And, of course, they can't tell if you're actually living in them or not, um, which you can do, you see, because there generally are some facilities in there. Right. And you can convert them in certain ways. Yeah, lots of uh, new laws. The law on squatting should go back to what it was so that people can occupy empty properties and then the landlord has to show in court that they're his and then take you out. But that gives you a chance to force them into getting uh, reasonable agreements and so forth and letting people stay. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And um, on to, right, 1987, you were arrested for defacing an alliance poster. Was, was this your first arrest? No, no, no. Because <laughs> there's been quite a few, hasn't there? <laughs> yes, I've, had, I've been arrested, I think, 44 times. <laughs> in total. Well, four of those, or maybe it's 45 times, four of those have been under the for, for COVID events. Yeah, yeah. Um, most of the others, in the 70s, the police would arrest quite a lot of people for things. If they if they wanted to clear, clear a demonstration, they're just say that you're obstructing the pavement and they'll take people away for obstructing the pavement. Right. And so on. So that's the sort of arrest I was, apart from one of them pouring a bucket of water over the Sheriff of London at the Huntley Street spotters of it. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're very passionate. It didn't actually hit him, but he claimed it had ruined his suit. But that was it wasn't true. But anyway. Okay. <laughs> so you're more Another recent political sort of sort of arrest. We had one for illegal radio broadcasting. Right. Which was quite good. He had a thing called Radio Concord. And this is shown as a picture of this in the uh the squatting history. The history of squatting, which was uh it's a book still available. I think you can find copies of it online. I mean photocopies of it online. Right. Squatting the real story. Okay. 
Right, I'll have to have a look at that, along right, with the many other books. One, as far as I remember, there's a picture of uh, me, Sheriff Harris, and the solicitor, uh, a sort of confrontation, negotiation attempts. And there's a sign in the background that says, tune in to Radio Concord 225 Medium Wave. <laughs> and did it get lots of uh, hits? <laughs> well... In those days, compared with nothing, of course, yes, because it was completely. There weren't many pirate radios around. No, no. Yeah, you know, the internet was didn't exist, and uh, nobody had mobile phones. Sure. I know it's difficult for young people these days to comprehend this, but that's how life was. <laughs> yeah, you were stuck to your four channels and stuff. Well, actually, I think it was probably only three at the start, wasn't there? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, have you written many books, Piers? No, I haven't actually written any books. I've written scientific papers and I've contributed two books. That's, that's that book I mentioned on squatting, but probably I should be writing things as we speak. <laughs> yeah, lots to write about. So no. um, your, your most recent arrest, was that the one at Trafalgar Square on the 29th of August? Um, no, then there was another one in Sheffield. Oh, okay, right. Oh, actually, I do vaguely remember that. Was was that for the same thing, organising a protest? Yeah. yeah, well, that one was three charges for that. Was One was not wearing a mask in Marks and Spencers. Oh, gosh. Not on a, <laughs> second one was being in a group of more than 30 people um, in public. Um, and the third one... And that's not arrestable either. You can get a fixed penalty notice for that. The third one, which was arrestable, is um, organising a demonstration uh, or, or, or gathering of more than 30 people. That was the number then, not six. Without having done a, uh, without it being approved, i.e. not having done a risk assessment or etc. Um, so we're contesting all that. And we're also contesting the manner of my arrest, which involved an amount of... Uh, police shoving and violence and uh, one person was injured quite severely he's right. okay now i saw him yesterday in leeds uh so he's up and about but that was uh, that was very bad the police then went completely over the top uh they had been the policemen told me they were themselves they were bronze command and they'd been told by a civil command to arrest me uh, when there was a little march going on in in uh, after the main rally yeah. in Sheffield. So, so they were trying to intimidate, but you see, uh, they also imposed bail conditions that I shouldn't be able to go to any rallies uh, uh, against COVID regulations in the United Kingdom until the 3rd of November when the court case was held. We were in the process of challenging these and then the crown prosecution service phoned my solicitor and said no don't worry we are dropping those bail conditions and mr corbyn can behave like a normal person and go to whatever is 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 legal so there were big loopholes in the legality of what they're doing but i think they backed down because we had so much support um in public and there was so much uh, interest on on uh, social media thank god for social media at the moment that's all i can say i know it's got, <laughs> it's our um yeah it's our version of real news isn't it um yeah. so so the ten thousand pound fine you got was that for organizing a pro a protest was it 
Yes, well, there's two of those, yes. The the one for Trafalgar Square, that was £10,000 fine, uh, which, again, we're not paying it. It's it, it, it's a, it's a £10,000 fixed penalty notice uh, associated with arresting for such an, uh, an offence. Um, uh, we're not going to pay that. And the Sheffield one also, um, it would involve another £10,000 uh, fine. We're not going to pay any of these, and we're resisting them in court. Obviously, being in court with barristers costs money as well, so we're raising the funds, whatever, and you can find about those on stopnewnormal.net. Right. And how would you advise then to to get out of that situation? I mean, how how are you going to go against not paying £20,000 worth of fines? Well, the legal things are about, it's it's against human rights. Right. And it's also discriminatory because in an earlier case, uh, in the, the ones from Hyde Park, they'd also imposed some bail conditions to not be allowed in Westminster. So we challenged those on the grounds that these are uh, they're not balanced and they've been allowing Black Lives Matter and related demos and doing nothing but then taking action against ours. And the circuit judge said, well, that is an unarguable fact. So he dismissed all the bail conditions then, um, which is good. You know, there are some good judges around, you see. Yeah. Uh, so how do we get out of these? Well, yes, we argue human rights and discrimination. Right. Um, on, on straightforward, quite narrow legal points. So do, what do you think the likelihood is of you being arrested uh, this Saturday? <laughs> um, well... Quite low, I, I think, because we are doing our best to cooperate. And you see, frankly, we know what happens. If if somebody who's, you know, deemed to be leading or organising gets arrested, it, it leaves the uh, police not able to communicate with the public involved because, you know, the public don't know who to listen to. And it also causes people to be angry and, and potentially disruptive. I mean, that's, you know... That's what happens. Yeah. So it's very stupid of them, fa- frankly, to arrest arrest me or anybody who they deem to be in charge, whether they're in charge or not. But it's 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 not in the interests of public law and order. Now, of course, you see that bronze command would agree with that, but the silver and gold commands—they're probably told things from from Boris or Sadiq Khan to crack down on these people because we don't want these sort of protests. So that is what's going on now. We've got an increasingly top-down police system with police on the bottom i think uh, not ready to implement this type of thing and uh, don't actually want to no no um did you organize this saturday's protest did you was you one of the main organizers because i know you're speaking on saturday, you saturday just gone or no the saturday now come in well um i'm a point of contact with the police for liaison purposes right so does that mean yes that- <laughs> Well, it means that when the police ask me, that's what it is. Right, okay. They don't want to identify organisers. The police may well, but there's a, there's a problem for the police because they do need to talk to organisers. But now if they identify an organiser, that makes that person open to arrest. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which, of course, is, is a crazy thing to be in. I mean, they really ought to have thought this through. And the way they're doing it could lead potentially to... Uh, 
confusion and chaos, which is the last thing we want. So we're doing all our level best to make sure the Saturday event is going to go smoothly. So far, the signs with the police are that it it it, it, it will do. Um, last Saturday's the nineteenth was not anything to do with me, and the organisers for that had us seem to have a slightly different view and they were possibly riling the police somewhat. Yeah, I saw. An amount of dissent and conflict and the police moving in and also there was much fewer people there so the police could move in. Yeah. This Saturday will be completely different. But that square is going to be full, it's going to be overflowing. I mean, if our measurements of getting 10 times um, support month on month, we are... Four weeks after the 29th of August when we filled the square with twenty with 35,000 people. Well, we could get, I mean, logically, 350,000. Now, that would be completely stunning. And I would say it is possible that that number of people may attempt to get into London to demonstrate. I'm wondering if that's going to be a problem getting into London on Saturday. Um, what roads are well, going to be closed and stuff. We've got buses booked from Cornwall and there's been that much interest. I'm now... Half, I've now half filled a second bus, but lots of people are asking, you know, is there going to be a lockdown? Is the bus going to be stopped? Well, there'll be rumours of lockdowns, but Boris's lockdown at this point doesn't involve anything. He hasn't said anything about public transport. It's just about bars and so on, because the virus apparently gets more angry after 10pm. So you yeah. have to go home. Of course, of course. As someone also, said earlier, sorry, yeah. somebody said yeah. earlier, we'll be, we'll be buggered when the clocks go back or forward, whatever ah. one it is. <laughs> That's true. How will the virus know this? I know, I know. Well, it's very clever. <laughs> We've got all these road closures happening as part of Agenda 21. Well, you know, are the viruses go, don't do go, Perhaps the virus doesn't go against one-way systems. So maybe that's why we <laughs> more one-way road. Can, can you tell us your knowledge on Agenda 2130? Um, I hear lots of stuff. I've been doing bits of research myself, but how do you perceive it to be? What, what do you think is likely to happen? Well, it's a United Nations document called Agenda 21. It believes you've got to uh, decrease the population in the countryside, put more and more people in the towns, uh, put them in smaller and smaller spaces, um, don't have people moving around so much, generally abolish cars or limit them, um, which is an attack on family life, of course. And um, the general ideology is, is uh, you know, a sort of corporate state which involves children being controlled more and more by the state uh, and in school as opposed to by their parents. And you can see now all these things being played out. And what's happening in schools is utterly horrific. Oh, no often have their powers taken away from them effectively yeah i mean you know that all these all these measures have to be reversed and it's part of a world system a world new economic order the world economic forum says so um and are forcing governments or attempting to to comply with this the mega corporations want this because they can increase their profits the consequence is that uh, middle Middle classes are being destroyed and small businesses are being destroyed. Um, and that is all part of the Agenda 21. So it's not a conspiracy theory. It's no, it's happening. And uh, it is actually, in fact, and people listening need to uh, uh, wake up and go online and hear about it. Um, Sandy Adams. I think it's .co.uk, but Sandy Adams' website goes into a lot of this stuff in in uh, a lot of 
well, in detail as well as giving good summaries. Right, I'll have to look Follow Mark Windows Winters on the world dot net. That's uh, another source of, of information. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing it happening now, all of this with the um, pubs closing at 10. I mean, already I'm hearing pubs that are just, it's not worth them staying open now. Oh. Our local village pub, they closed last week. So, I mean, nobody else is going to be taking it on. And we are, it, well, it would appear to me, we are going to be facing a mashal, uh, massive financial crash. Um, yes. All these businesses are going to be closed. It's against the right to organise. It's against the right for people to to collectively do things so it's very much like 1984 by george orwell you know the idea of people meeting together was something which the whole system stopped as much as it could as it happens in all totalitarian regimes you see right the children then controlled by the state to tell tales on their parents for example and that happened in a big big scale in in, in russia in the 30s right i've not heard about that um, oh, so, so, just so much to learn about, isn't there? I mean, at the moment, with with the schools, my, my little one, I dropped him in this morning and I saw a group getting on a coach, probably 30 children, but the teacher had a mask on and all the children had to put... She was there squirting hand sanitizer on their hands before they got on the bus and I just find it sickening. It, it just damages their hands. Yeah, it's just sickening. I mean, I've got a, a friend who works in a... Um, she does dinner, dinner lady type of stuff. And now, instead of having two sittings of dinners, they've got to have three. So there aren't so many children together uh, having dinner. But she said it makes no sense because they all go in the playground afterwards. They all meet each other just the same. Yeah. So it, it it's uh, it's nonsense. It's just a um, well, it's it's what's the word? Um, it's a ritual. Yeah. The rituals and incantations. Yeah, and I, I just don't get how people can't see it, really. They're, I think they're just so scared. They are so bloody scared of this virus. Yes, um, but it's a hoax. What you should do is, the, the thing to be scared of is, is, is people being scared, actually, and you should ignore all these measures because just in case, just in case something, you wear a mask. No, no. Just in case of something, you don't wear a mask because blocking, blocking uh, your breathing holds your toxins and you breathe them back in, so it makes you more ill. Yeah. So just in case of that, what I just said, do not wear a mask. No, it's just crazy because lots of people they they just don't get it and they don't they don't want to. They won't switch off their TV and do some research mm. elsewhere. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, it is the times. I met a lady on Friday in Truro, and she was asking me if I could send her details of all the rallies and stuff like that. And I asked her, I said, are you on social media? Oh, no, I don't do stuff like that. Well, now's the time you've got to, because otherwise yeah, yeah. you're not going to hear about it. People haven't got time to be phoning up loads of people to say, oh, there's a demonstration on Friday, etc. And there's another lady that was trying to organise a bus and she's like, oh, no, I'm not on Facebook. Well, I know the social media brings problems as well, but it also gets yeah, yeah. out that awareness for people. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when did, when did you start getting really involved in the whole COVID hoax? What started happening? Well, I had a pre-run, if you like, because I was involved in the uh, climate issues where you see it's, clear to me as a scientist and meteorologist that the idea of man-made climate change is in fact completely untrue uh it's, it's a, in fact a hoax um and carbon dioxide levels don't cause temperature changes they 
it's the temperature changes which cause the carbon dioxide levels to move. Um, so I realise that I've been campaigning for that on some time. But what's behind the climate story is, of course, again, Agenda 21. Agenda 21 is, is rooted in green politics, so-called. Um, so the COVID story, when it came along of this virus, I thought, this is just a bit weird. I suppose I sort of believed in it at first, that there was something going on, especially after that Imperial College report, which turned out to be a stack of lies. But, you know, it sounded as if something was happening. But again, this is just something hatched by the same United Nations to control the anti-COVID uh, uh, rules are not to control COVID. They are to control you. Yeah. And I mean, we could all see the, the rules in place, like you say, that they're ridiculous. And I mean, the deaths are right down, but they're testing yeah. so much every day. We're getting all these new cases, but hardly any. And we've all probably got that coronavirus in us from an old, an old um, virus that we've had before. Yeah. And then the world's just accepting it. It's like four months on, let's wear a mask. Six months on, let's introduce um, 10 p.m. curfews and stuff. Yeah, and the, the masks are a symbol of submission. That's all they're for. And in fact, they're satanic symbols. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that. Which is, you know, really, really evil. Um, so, well, the answer is you have to just defy all these things. However, the good news is now, according to a Good Morning Britain poll, 70% of people asked are opposed to a second lockdown. Oh, that is good. Yeah, I don't think Which people are going to abide by it. So it means that the message that it's a hoax, which might be a heavy thing for most people to, for a lot of people to follow, but once you think it through, it, it is a hoax. Or certainly all the claims and measures, all the claims to get the measures are a hoax because even if there was a, a virus which has now got infinitesimally important, so it's no different from any flu, that is no justification whatsoever for closing the world economy. No, well, it didn't close down when we had SARS and MERS some 15 years ago, did it? Didn't. Um, flu of 1957 didn't close down then either. No, no. Right. Um, so on on Saturday, Piers, what what can we expect? Those that are going, what's the lineup? Yeah, the lineup. Well, I'll be speaking. David Ike will be speaking. There's a uh, uh, Carl Hennigan, a doctor, very very well versed doctor. Numbers of activists from around the country. Sandy Adams, who I mentioned, uh, is is going to be speaking. Um, Hopefully, Juliet, who was from Portsmouth, uh, an expert on um, the use of chloroquine, which is like artificial quinine and zinc, to prevent many illnesses, including whatever the symptoms of COVID-19, so-called, are caused by. Um, so it'll be interesting, exciting, and a few people with a bit of music. So it'll, I think it'll all start okay. We're going to keep the numbers there. Uh, because we have huge numbers. Uh, liaison with the police is okay. Um, we are doing a risk assessment as they require. Yeah, because you don't uh, want to be arrested like Gazer did the other day, did he, for a risk assessment? <laughs> this this seems to be their last um, well, plea, right. really. <laughs> well, of course, it's, it's balmy because they say we have to have a risk assessment, but they are trying to impose vaccines on the world which have not had any risk assessment. Yeah, yeah. Are you still there? I think uh, you're there. It's all right. I think 
Yeah, you pressed That's something. Right, it was <laughs> um, right, so we're told to have risk assessments for rallies and demonstrations, but they governments are trying to impose upon us vaccines which have had no risk assessments and quite explicitly are experimental vaccines and the companies producing these vaccines are not going to be liable to any death or injury resulting. Now this is unbelievable, but that is what they want want to impose on us. It will, it will result in real deaths, real illnesses, and uh, you won't have any recourse to claims apart from there is a government general thing for claiming about vaccine damage, I suppose, if it's administered through the NHS. And, uh, you know, there have been millions of pounds of claims successfully against it, uh, but there's even more claims it would, which are not held. But the amount of money paid out for those vaccine errors... Uh, and even if they continue doing it, it's still going to be trivial compared with what the vaccine manufacturers are making. Yeah. Because the the increased value uh, in the last uh, few months of Bill Gates, Zuckerberg and Bessos is £150 billion, which is £20 for every man, woman and child on the planet. So basically they've robbed everybody by that amount. And the World Economic Forum, of course, regards this as money spent on your well-being which of course it isn't, but that's what they regard it as. And they say this money will have to be recouped. So they're asking people effectively to pay twice for all this stuff. So there'll be increased taxations and reductions of wages um, to push people down to, uh, well, and no one is left behind view, as they might call it, but in fact is everyone is left behind. Yeah. And is this going to be then a way as well as stopping people travelling if, if you haven't got the vaccine? Yes, exactly. Because they might say it's voluntary at some point, although they're talking about it being mandatory straight away now. But, but you know, if you don't have it, you won't be able to travel or go to school or, or fly in the air or, or whatever. They're already putting these enforcements in place with, you know, like track yeah. and trace, aren't they? You can't have a meal anymore without filling in this trick and trace, yeah, yeah, as my yeah. friend says. But, um, yeah, the track and trace and you've got to do this, you've got to do that just everything being taken away i mean when we was in Truro on friday obviously we went to try and go in weatherspoons didn't we and we walked yeah, in yeah. as a group of 10 and said can we have two tables and she was like no sorry i've seen you all walk in and these people don't realize they're not going to have a business in a few months time yeah. Yeah. and well know- they're stupid i mean a lot of the people staffing these shops are actually well they might be just doing what they're told but you know it's stupid because they're working against their long-term interests yeah and it's going to be a point. To do their best, you know, and help and ignore all these things, which is great. And I think, really, every day at six o'clock in most towns or villages, people will have a little meeting, a gathering place in their town centre, and say, you know, this shop is is easy. That one has been difficult. This pub insists on everyone filling in a form. That one just you can fill in a form saying Mickey Mouse, and everyone's let in. You, you know, I mean, yeah. that's what is happening yeah. in a lot of places. I mean, unfortunately, the pub down the road that closed, I mean, when, when they reopened yeah. here a couple of months ago, it was very like, you can come, but your temperature will be taken. You will sanitise your hands. There will be a camera recording you, your, your actions. Yeah. It's like, well, you've lost my business straight away. You, yeah. you know, we're not made to feel welcome. And, and the second pub that we went to in Truro, I mean, we managed to go in and get a couple of tables. But if you were stood up, you were asked to sit back down in your place. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's frightening. I, I wouldn't want to go out again. I, I just don't no, see the point. It's unbelievable. I mean, if you'd been away from the country 
for six months and just came back now, you would, or nine months, you would think the aliens are taken over or something. It, it wouldn't be comprehensible to see these people wearing masks or frightened of each other when there was actual data shows there's nothing happening whatsoever nothing completely nothing abnormal yeah but the bbc said there is <laughs> unfortunately <That's right. laughs> um and then i went yes. in another a marketplace and all of the stay left stay right and it's all mentioned on the tannoys that they're speaking out and you know and people are really like you need to be stepping on that side of the room and it's like oh my god you're, <laughs> just, you're just brainwashed totally yes. brainwashed so, with, with all of this happening now, what I mean, what is the next step? Is there going to be more protests? Is this going to be like a monthly thing? How how can we expect to take down our government? Well, you have to get more and more imaginative. Um, there will be some response from MPs. There are some MPs now who are upset and can actually see where it's going, and it is evil. Um, so, there'll be things said in Parliament. That will then echo around the country. So, we'll get... That 70% that don't believe in a second lockdown might increase to 80%, uh, and they'll become more determined. So we, we'll be in a chance where, obviously, Boris will go on postponing elections as much as he can, but, you know, if there are elections, uh, things might change. And, of course, the problem we have is all the political parties are saying the same thing. So there has to be rebellions and so forth, and independent candidates uh, or whatever, or... Uh, things run in different ways. I mean, people running things from below more. Uh, but we still have a legal structure, of course. So what Parliament does under current rules is, is important. So we will press on with pressing MPs and so forth, but do uh, things uh, locally as well. Like, you see, you could have a situation where some town councils reject it all. So you could have some towns where they don't allow any of this nonsense and just declare there's, there's no, this is a COVID-free zone or it's a COVID-rules-free zone and so forth. Now, that, that could be quite important, just as it could happen in the world that one country might do this. You see, there are some countries in Africa resisting, and they get then sh shut down by money being taken away from them by the International Monetary Fund. Um, but Germany is showing very great resistance, and the mayor of Berlin has allowed all the demonstrations, for example. So, you know... Perhaps Germany will lead the way in resisting this because, you see, they New World Order want a world order. And if they don't have it, then it's going to be more difficult for them if there's different parts of the world resisting it. Uh, you know, so we just have to build on everything. But we do have to keep active and people have to defy these, these impositions personally. Um, which is hard, or obviously you try and do it collectively in groups. Certainly little groups of people will back each other up yeah. in uh, arguing in the pubs, in the uh, restaurants and, uh, and so forth. And if any restaurant or pub gets victimised, then we have to campaign to support them. Yeah, that's true. And there's a lot of that support going on at the moment, isn't there, for doctors yeah. that have spoken out, um, oh, police officers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, well, our movement, we quite explicitly said on a number of occasions that anybody victimised for resisting the COVID nonsense, doctors, nurses, members of the public, people arrested, people injured, um, they'll all be supported by our movement. And so far, the money given has been quite, quite uh, well, generous, you know, or, or certainly 
beyond some expectations, although it is things are flagging a little bit at the moment because people have got so much to give on this and that. But, you know, uh, it's very important we do get the money for leaflets and, and campaign work and legal work. So, so you're relying really then on um, donations to get this work done? Jolly, jolly. There's no big backer for us. No, no big backer. No. No, or, or any of those groups, you know, the uh, Save Our Rights, Stand Up X, um, Stop New Normal, that's us. And the uh, Event 202, which is the tour going around the country to spread the truth about COVID. So am I right in believing that um, Black Lives Matter, they're sponsored by our government? Uh, well, they're sponsored by George Soros, who yeah. one of the best men in the world, who gives out huge amounts of money to them. And uh, it's clear they do work alongside with certain sections of the, of the British state. Uh, I mean, during those uh, demonstrations, uh, which happened in uh, June, I think it was, um, the, you remember there was this thing about statues being torn down, right? Okay. Yeah. In the name of Black Lives Matter. Well, then Sadiq Khan made an announcement that uh, he was now going to review all statues in London. Now, he didn't say stop pulling them down or anything. He said he was going to review them all. So he was giving these people support for this mindlessness, which was, well, some of it you could argue about, but mostly it was mindless stuff. Um, then, of course, some people in outside London got angry and said, look, we aren't having this. We're going to come to London. So there was going to be a demonstration the following weekend. Now, actually, these didn't amount to much, but the BBC were trying to exaggerate the conflict. Uh, and indeed, I witnessed people uh, dressed up completely up in black, which they might have been white people dressed in black, I don't know. But they came across Westminster Bridge, went past Bodicea statue, along the embankment, and popped up into above the embankment and went behind police lines. So they were going there in order to make a conflict with people on the other side who were meant to be saving statues and behind police lines, they were wanting to destroy statues. So, the you know, the powers that be were actually constructing conflict and then the BBC was reporting it, exaggerating it. And then the next day, the police announced, oh, there's been so much conflict, maybe we should not allow any more political protest. So the whole thing was engineered to justify crackdowns on the right to uh, speak out. Right. Very grim. So we've said to, to Sadiq Khan, look, you've consistently had political uh, protests like ours uh, banned or getting into trouble where you allow Black Lives Matter. So you've got a chance now with this Saturday to prove that you're not organising or promoting political policing. So you should allow our demonstration and give it permission and indeed come and speak at it. Um and we've asked him that. Uh, I suppose it's unlikely he'll do anything. But the point is, he, it is blatant what they're doing on it. It's biased policing. And he could redeem himself by giving us permission, as the mayor of Berlin did for demonstrations in Berlin. Huge demos. And the mayor of Berlin said, yeah, that's all right. They're all allowed. We're not going to impose anything. Right. Yeah. So... Does your, um, I have to ask a question from somebody, um, how does your brother um, steer on where you're coming from? Is is he with you or does he think entirely well, different? He needs to speak for himself. I mm-hmm. should ask him. But uh, he's, he believes there's a virus around, you know. 
Now, yeah. I've said, well, if there is any virus around, it is of no consequence more than the flu, but that's what he says. Um, and, of course, the trade unions are going along with it because they're now furloughed. So people are getting paid large amounts of money for doing nothing. Now, the consequence of this is going to be inflation and destruction of the savings of the middle classes and the destruction of jobs of these trade unions. So it is a totally stupid, treacherous policy. And uh, they should be denounced for it. And anyone in a trade union should phone up your trade union organisers and uh, uh, make appropriate comments. That They've got to choose what side they're on on, on this conflict. And it's worth remembering something I said on uh, Truro, that uh, in Germany in the 1930s, the trade unions did put Hitler into power. He promised them certain things. Um, Hitler's movement was called the National Socialist Party. Um and they believed, the, the trade union leaders, the brown shirts at the time, believed they would get something from Hitler and and uh, so forth. Well, as it was, at the night of the Long Knives, 1934, June the 30th, hundreds of them were murdered. And after that, Hitler then relied entirely, not on the workers, but on uh, Krupp Steel and others. The mega corporations with their funding and you know, ability to make tanks, which is what we need a war for. Yeah. And the rest is... But it's very sad to see these things repeating, because that it is. It's just a slightly different form, but treachery is unimaginable. And Jeremy, you see, I would say is, well, he tends to go along with the trade unions, because mostly they... Well, mostly of the time, they do support people's rights and incomes, but on this, they are... They're wrong. Yeah. Yeah, the trade unions. I know you mentioned that on um, yeah, Friday, yeah. and they're not doing their bit. Um, no. And I mean, there's little companies and stuff in in general, isn't like you said just now. People need to say no. We're not, we're going to carry on as normal. Um, yeah, yeah. forget the rules but I speak to some people in shops and they say well if we don't follow with this we're going to have the council down yeah. we're going to have a massive fine we're not going to be able to run our business that's right that's right uh, so they're put in a very difficult well, position really aren't they I mean I know it's it's easy to say well you need to stand aground and follow it through and fight it but then we're not all feisty and ready to fight some of us yeah. just want to roll over and have an easy life but well, that's not well, making any changes I mean, you can have your business constructed so that it's on the point of going bust. And when you when the council finds you, you just go bust, liquidate and, uh, you know. Yeah. Something else. I mean, obviously, these things are not easy. But, I mean, in the face of large fines, that does cause a lot of bankruptcies. And that might be a way out. I'm not recommending it necessarily because the first thing is to resist and so on and argue with the implementations, because there must be some sort of appeal procedures if if uh, if they're having a fine imposed, a bit like a fixed penalty notice for being in a group of more than six or more than 30, then uh, you can refuse to pay and then you'll go to court and then there's an argument in court. Yeah. So, you know, it's not the end. I mean, these shops need to um, get a bit of backbone. And if they do support the people's interest they will get more business if the word gets around you, you know yeah that's what i think definitely i'm just thinking of a friend that runs a dog food shop and i mean they're a really busy shop and you know yeah. they, they know what's going on but it's like well you know these are the rules and we've got to abide by it otherwise we won't have a business um but there's certain things that you've got to start saying when things start feeling wrong that you can't do yeah 
Yes. I mean, right. I think I mentioned to you last week, um, I work at the hospitals and yes- yeah, yeah. yesterday I was asked if I could go around the ward and take COVID swabs. <laughs> um, yeah. I was like, no, I can't do that. And I just kind of walked off. Uh, there is no yeah. way I could do that to anybody. It just no. goes against your whole whole feeling, really. Um, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I wish I wasn't the way... I am because at the moment there's lots of stuff going on. There's a lot of hate, but there's a lot of support as well. Um, how how yeah, do you yeah. deal with the hate, Piers? Do you, do you get a lot? I mean, I uh, watched. Uh, yeah. so, sorry, I watched your interview. Um, that one was it. Um, Good morning, TV. Good morning, Britain. With 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 Piers. Oh my God! What an awful. I I felt for you because you started off so well, and he just um. You just couldn't get a word in, and when Dr. Hillary got in, (laughs) and good old Dr. Hillary. (laughs) Well, he had nothing to say. No. See, uh, he asked me about vaccines. I said, look, modern vaccines do have things inserted in them which do cause people to damage their immune systems. This is a proven fact. And he just went on screaming your... Well, I don't know. Yeah, they were saying, so, so, the, so you're right. telling us that the government is wrong. Yes, we are. But they wouldn't let you yeah. get a word in. And then you just repeat the question. I said, well, of course, I've said that already, you know, and so, so it goes on. So he didn't have any facts or science at his fingertips. But they don't have because there's no facts or science at the fingertips of these people. So all they can do is, is, billy, is bully and uh, shout. Yeah. Do you get lots of hate then? Um, an amount, but not a vast amount. Some people, I've encountered people saying you're killing people, and I just say, look, you're actually making yourself ill, and try and give them a leaflet. A proportion of people often a leaflet do take it, take them, and in a larger proportion now take them than, than you used to. Um, yeah. So we are, we are winning in the sense of our support is increasing. Uh, so the powers that be are, will have to find ways of dealing with that. So they up the scare story, you see. They might they might change the nature, the nature of the second wave. See, the idea of any virus coming back in a second stronger wave is, imp- is impossible. It's never happened in the history of the world. So the idea of this virus getting stronger and returning is, is complete hocus-pocus nonsense. So what they're likely to do is declare there's some other new virus, bubonic plague or something mad. Now, this will be a more fake story than the first. Uh, and, but they'll exacerbate it by anyone who dies, they'll claim they've died of that, and they'll turn on 5G and get people in on that. Um, I, I wonder just, how many with the with the flu vaccine that's coming out now, how many of those, they're going to have it, and a week later they're dead, and it's a COVID that, death. Exactly, exactly. It'll be a COVID illness or a COVID death, yeah. Yeah. It will. yeah. They'll, they'll say the vaccine didn't work. Well, but then they'll say, oh, yeah, but it was given too late. <laughs> like that. so then they blame people for not doing it early enough but i would say to anyone listening on no account take any tests whatsoever you refuse them break the needle or anything that's put onto you just don't do it because well first of all the tests are used just to get false positives so 90 percent of the people tested will register false positive so then they put the numbers down oh there's an increasing illness no all you have is an increasing amount of testing yeah oh, but it's scary like if, if you need to go to hospital now you can't get seen for anything unless you have a covid test i know that's right so, so and then and this is COVID, what, sorry what this, are they, they doing they're going to give a false positive anyway yeah so then you have to isolate 
I mean, these guys that I was in with yesterday, I mean, they're elderly people and uh, they, they test them five days on the row. Um, these elderly people having that bloody swab stuck up their nose is horrendous. Five days in a row what, to try and get a positive out of them? Probably, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I try to do a bit of un- detective work. Um, I'm trying to be a bit careful as well because yeah, I know yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that today um, somebody, one of the matrons has asked somebody, do you know this woman? Because video's been shown of me speaking in Truro. At the moment, I've got a job, but I am kind of waiting. How's it all going to play out? Because a friend of mine that works there, um, she works as a ward hostess. And basically, she's been told today that if she doesn't remove her Facebook posts and statuses, um, she will lose her job. So there's just no freedom of speech anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean... Terrible. Well, something like that, of course, there's going to be disciplinary hearings. I mean, there are nurses that are facing this, and they've been going to disciplinary hearings and fighting them, and then the disciplinary hearings have been uh, called off, you know. So uh, if people resist, they will get somewhere. Right. Uh, mostly. But you just have to carry on doing that, because if we don't, the situation is very, very dire. Yeah, sure. So, after Saturday, what what are you planning on doing then? I mean, I noticed um, when I saw your face just now, obviously we haven't got video going now, you're in a room full of books, and I would expect that because yeah. you're a very educated, intelligent man. But what's the next part of your campaign? Are you organising more rallies? Um, yeah, we will do more rallies, but we'll do a bit more local stuff, I think. Try and get little groups in, in, in towns to resist. And uh, as I was su- suggesting, you could... This is one town in the country that will just reject it all. Yeah. You know, that that could be a beacon of hope, you know. I mean, for example, Glastonbury did, they refusing to have 5G installed. Now, I don't know if Glastonbury would do the same on this COVID thing. I don't know. But as an example, you see, there are different responses in different different places. I mean, the West of England has been quite effective on resisting 5G. So it may be they could also be quite effective on resisting this, this COVID stuff. Um, uh, but equally, parts of the other, other parts of the country as well. So that is one thing. Liverpool, uh, going in Liverpool was like, been you know somewhere six months ago i mean there was hardly anybody wearing masks we went in a restaurant 11 people sat on the table and uh, there was no no mention as far as i could see or perhaps there wasn't a little notice somewhere of of you know track or trace so you know with the right environment people can can resist sure we have to do that and get the mps scared of losing their jobs Currently, they think they're sitting pretty, but, you know, if 70% of their constituents are against them and there's independent candidates for our movement, uh, you know, going to oppose them, they they will, some of them will listen. And writing to them does work. Go to stopnewnormal.net, download the letter or or find it online and add in the email address of the MP and you can click on a button to find that via your postcode. And send it off. Right, so we really need to get right into our MPs. Write to your MPs and phone them up and say, you've written, what's your answer? Will you come on the demonstration? I mean, just keep on and on at them. There's nothing to lose except the, well, policemen in our minds. 
True, true. So, can you tell, I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, 5G, it's absolutely fine. We're all on 4G now. What's your thoughts on this? I, I'm quite new. I mean, I've heard about 5G for a long time, and I'm reading The the Invisible Rainbow at the moment, um, trying yeah, yeah. to get an idea about stuff, and it's, it's mind-boggling. There's so much to learn. Um, c- can you explain a bit how 5G reacts with us, well, how we react to 5G and what it will do to our health? Yes. Yes, I can. I'm just trying to reduce the noise here. Um, yes, well, 5G is just uh, another bit of electromagnetic radiation, um, like your uh, Wi-Fi. Um, well, most Wi-Fi is 4G uh, or 3G. Um, it does cause damage to the immune system, Um because it's got various frequencies in it, and some of which are frequencies of response to cells or transitions in cells of the body. So a wider range of frequencies means more damage can be done. Statistically, it's shown that more more radiation to bodies does cause illnesses, and similarly to animals and plants, and that is proven information, and you can get go on our website to get to the purple links on some of the, the uh, leaflets we've produced. Um, right now, the industry says, "Oh, no, 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 no! It's, it's only a tiny amount of heating that happens by the radiation, so don't worry." Well, it is a tiny amount of heating, but it is the important thing is not the heating; it's the frequencies and the transitions they cause. So, we describe the modern telecom industry as the new tobacco lobby, because they, they. Um, the new tobacco, the old tobacco lobby, for example, used to say about smoke and cigarettes. Oh, don't worry, it only warms your lungs a bit. Well, it wasn't the, the warming that counted; it was the tar in the smoke. And the case of the 5G or 4G or 3G, it's not the intensity that counts, but the frequencies involved. And even having said that, it's important to notice that these, the intensity you see of these things, even though low in terms of heating is still a billion times what would happen naturally because the only only way you can get these sort of frequencies in your body is through thunderstorms, which emit all manner of radiation. Uh, but thunderstorms are relatively rare and they're always a long way away from most people. Um, but even if you had something of, you know, uh, well, even if you had... Uh, your 4G or 5G of half the intensity it is now, it would still cause damage because of the the frequencies involved rather than the intensity. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around all of this. I mean, I read, it says part of it in the book, that if you're sat in front of your computer screen for like 30 hours a week, that's the same as what it would be have, as having like electric shock treatment many years ago. Um, just... uh, well, it could well be. I mean, it depends on the nature of your computer and so on. Uh, but these screens, the modern screens, are probably better than those uh, electron gun screens, I, I, I think. I don't know, actually. But uh, I, I think they probably are. Um, but nevertheless, what comes out of a computer, you know, is, is, is not good. So people in – what we're saying, the government should have a health program. We've got a better way charter, which says no masking because it's unhealthy, no – no vaccine or traxing because they're unhealthy and so forth. And on 5G, it says take down 5G. And in particular, the government should have a campaign to reduce uh, Wi-Fi in homes. People should move over to Ethernet cables 
and uh, go on to lower frequencies rather than higher frequencies where they do have Wi-Fi, but they should be able to get rid of Wi-Fi altogether. And you don't need any of 5G towers at all. You could have much, you could have lower frequencies or no frequencies at all and do everything by cable. Yeah, yeah. Old school. <laughs> oh, yeah, old school. I mean, the cable cable connections are very good, you know. You, you don't do get in, into, you don't get interference. Well, the copper ones are not as good as as um, fiber optics and so on, but, you know, fiber optics can be extremely good. Brilliant. I'll, I'll have to do that, actually. But my, my other half is a real tech geek, and he, he won't have it, but 5G is bad. I've got a lot of convincing to do. <laughs> I well, mean, He probably just likes the idea of downloading a full-length film in 10 seconds, but, you know. Probably, yeah. Well, just technology. What, what purpose is it? The purpose is not to help us. It's to give instant communication for monitoring systems. You see, they, if you've got a 5G TV uh, camera, then you walk in a shop, it can it can recognise you, do know everything about you within ten seconds. So by the time you reach the the uh, um, front of the shop or the till, they'll know everything about you, whether you know anything to the shop and if, if you're gonna be allowed to get on the train and what political party you've criticised in the past and so on. It's all there, you see, and they need five G to communicate quickly. And they also need five G to destroy modern agriculture modern well, not modern destroy British agriculture. They, they say quite explicitly in reports they need 5G uh, communication over the whole of the United Kingdom in order to control the individual animals of artificial intelligence um, controlling what they should do and, uh, you know, the growing of crops in various, various ways. So there'll be a general reduction of human involvement in agriculture and more artificial intelligence and robots and what this will do the 5g will do to the farm farm the cattle and their milk and their meat i dread to think yeah i've never thought of it in that way actually i've just been thinking about myself but not what about i'm eating and yeah this plan has been around for a while but it's hidden completely from from farmers when you tell them this they go what really but these are published documents you know yeah yeah you are what you eat, they say as well, aren't they? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'd all like to go organic, but it's amazing the cost difference. Um, you want a bag of salad, it's five pounds. You want some chips, it's a quid. <laughs> this is yeah, McDonald's exactly. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And meat, the price of meat has been forced up. Well, you see, it depends if you think meat is healthy or not, but it is protein and it has been forced up. And then people are going to low protein, high carbohydrate foods. Um, which, uh, well, maybe maybe is weak. Well, certainly doesn't work for some people. Although I, I personally don't don't like meat myself, and I eat more fish. But you've got to have a proper source of protein. You, you know, a vegan diet can be quite quite dangerous if you if you leave out protein. Well, what do they call it if you only eat fish? You're not a vegetarian. You're a oh, you're a vegetarian, I suppose, or something. Oh, I can't remember the name. Just eat meat. You're a carnivore. Anyway, I I I go for a range of things, but I I basically don't personally like meat very much. No, no. Um, I must admit, it's something I would like to. We do eat less, a lot less of it now, but um, there's yeah, lots yeah, of yeah. things. There's lots of bad habits I'd like to break for my health, but I have found that since uh, getting involved in all of this stuff, I'm certainly smoking a lot more. Um, wish it wasn't, yeah. but hey, that'll be the next thing to give up. 
<laughs> yeah, I've never been a daytime smoker, but at the moment, like you, just busy finding out stuff and trying to organise stuff. It's um, it's a lot to do, and it's all unpaid work, isn't it? Of so, course, yeah. Because um, I also read, we're, we're going back a bit again, I'm sidetracking now. You did, what, seven, seven years of um, working for the Labour Party, unpaid work. Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was a, an organiser, not full-time, but organised a lot. Organised the 1997 election in, in Bermondsey and Tavok and uh, um, was one of the 100 best organisers, voluntary organisers in the country and was had the honour of therefore meeting Mr Tony Blair in number 10 down the street. What, Where, what, what's your view on him then? Well, he was quite friendly then. I made a joke. I said, look... Uh, uh, you know my brother, and he's not very new, is he? And Tony Blair said, meaning New Labour, of course, he, he said, oh, it doesn't matter, we're all in this together, sort of stuff. And he was actually quite friendly, but, you know, a couple of years later, we had the Iraq war and everything, so things and that, changed. that was when you left? He's a globalist, he's a dangerous globalist, in my opinion, and responsible for the deaths of millions of people. Right. And, and that you left the Labour um, group because of the war in Iraq? Because you were opposed to that? No, I, I was opposed to it, but I didn't leave the party for that. I, I left because uh, of their social cleansing policies under Agenda 21 to knock down the Aylesbury estate in South London, uh, where, which Tony Blair had announced on his day of election he was going to give the people what they wanted. So... Uh, the people then discussed it, and I was a neighbouring tenant and joined in because they asked me. Uh, the people didn't want what Tony Blair wanted them to want. So uh, there was a conflict, and uh, a ballot was held, and it was, you know, Tony Blair's view was rejected. But then the council and government set about reversing that. So they said they would have demolished the whole estate by 2015, but as we speak now in 2020, three quarters of it is still standing. So we're campaigning to uh, uh, to stop them knocking it down. Yeah, but the point was I had to resign from the party in order to stand against Labour in that area as a independent candidate against social cleansing and for housing for all. That must have been hard, stepping out and stepping into a new, fighting your fellow... Um... Yes, it was. It was, uh, it was interesting. Um, we could have won, but there was a big campaign of lies against me, which was, well... Uh, lies, angry. lies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The media have got a good way of making people look bad, haven't they? So, uh... Yes, yes. Yes, well, it was dishonest, leafless in this case. There was some stuff in the media too, yes. So, do you, will you start your own political campaign now, a new party? Uh, I don't know. Cause the it, important thing now is a lot of people talking about new parties, but as they always do, the history of parties in Britain, new parties, is very, very poor. The only one that had a chance was the Independent Labour Party in the 1930s, and that that failed. Um, what we, The important thing now is a movement. A movement for accountability. That's what we stand for, really. Accountability and against globalisation. Globalisation is the imposition of a new world order, or in fact the opposite of accountability. It's dressed up in terms of, oh yes, world government this or that, but no, no, no. World government means imposition by the mega corporations and the super rich. 
we want national governments to carry on and uh, negotiate with each other about whatever matters there are in a civilised manner. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're coming to the end of our time, Piers. Um, Is there anything you want to... I know I've been asking the questions. Is there anything you would like to talk about? Um, Yes, I think in all this COVID stuff, it's important not to lose sight of the fact, one, it is bad and it's taking away civil liberties and jobs. It's destroying the economy. And to those people who say, oh, but surely the government wouldn't destroy the economy, you say, well, look, they are. So why are they doing this? And the answer is, of course, they're doing it as the bidding for the mega corporations. And I mentioned uh, how those are gaining from what is going on. And the middle classes and the middle businesses and small businesses are losing. So it's clear that uh, Boris and others, the globalists, are part of a new agenda, which is an agenda of evil. And the uh, economic method behind it, if you like, the administrative method, is technocracy, which involves high-tech everywhere, 5G everywhere, artificial intelligence, uh, the dehumanisation of uh, individuals uh, and people. I mean, rather like it's written in 1984 in Brave New World, which I would recommend people read because... The insights in there into the way language is distorted is horrific. Um, What's the name of that book the, again, sorry? Uh, uh, 1984 by George Orwell. Right. Definitely, that's the best read around. There's another one, but, but yeah, just remember that one. That'll, that'll do. Okay. Um, and we're in a very dangerous time worldwide because we have a confluence of interests of different, the biggest groups biggest interests who want this new world order to happen or are happy with the lockdowns more to the point so one of them is wall street the mega corporations they can see this as their chance of increasing their falling rate of profit um and and thereby may be competing with china at the same time china goes along with this because china is not locked down like the rest of the world uh, and has only done it partly is carrying on manufacturing and making more and more profits so they're doing well and these are two working together but in the long run of course the wall street interests and the the chinese government are different so this unholy alliance might collapse at some point Uh, we just have to do our best um to stop the globalization right well it has been awesome talking to you Piers and um, I speak on lots of my friends that have been so excited lots of your followers were really excited to be having you on tonight so I thank you deeply from our hearts to speak to a fellow truther and uh, know what's going on and I hope at some point you'll come back on again and we can have a chat any time just phone up or if I'm around in the west or if you're in London (laughs) well doubtless you'll be in London on Saturday I'll be there on Saturday I'll come and say hi (laughs) Come and get a selfie with you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Right. Come come on Saturday early if you can, but just come, come, come. And whatever the police or authorities try and do, we'll make it an historic moment because I think, you know, Silver Command and Gold Command won't won't be able to impose anything on or anything effective on Bronze Command when we've got the numbers. Sure. 
it's, it's exciting times for definite and well it's just going to be massive on um saturday i personally can't wait um right well thank you very much and you. for you guys still listening stay tuned in we're going to have a short music break and then we're going to be going live to london with our nina Altson and charlie rainbow where we're going to be finding out what they've been up to in the last week camping out in gazer's pen and stuff like that so thanks again piers and i'll be in thank touch you. and i'll see you on saturday Welcome back, guys, to the Shelley Tasker Show here on CornwallRevolutionRadio.blogspot.com. It's good to have you back. We are now going live to London to speak to our lovely Charlie Rainbow and Nina Elchardson. Nina, I can never say your name right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to practice. Anyway, guys. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's <laughs> so how are you getting on? What's happening? Hi, Shelley. Really good to be back on the show. We're, yeah, we're up in London in Hammersmith. Nina here. And, yeah, Charlie, do you want to say hello? Hi. Hi, Charlie. <laughs> Wait there. <laughs> so, yeah, we've had a really good week, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Brilliant. So, we came up for the pro- yeah, we came up last Friday, travelled up by coach. Then we went to the protest in Trafalgar Square on Saturday. Um, and which we'll tell you all about. Um, and then since then, we've just been hanging out in Hammersmith mainly, recovering really, you know, from the travelling and the protests and just chilling. But it's loads of nice things to do around here. So brilliant stuff. Yeah. So yeah, right. Who's going first? Who who wants to tell me about Saturday, the big protest that I watched right. bits well, of? Right. <laughs> I, I I was lucky enough to volunteer for that day. So. Um, I was actually in the um, area that Fiona and Kate and all the the speakers and all were. Wow. So, yeah, Fiona gave us a band, first of all. We had different coloured bands. Mine was a purple one, which is great because that's my favourite colour. This is Fiona Rose Diamond, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah. Fiona Rose Diamond. And um, basically... They gave us a few jobs to do, um, giving water out to the speakers. We had to get a long, uh, well, I don't know what they're called, long strip that you had to put around the middle, the middle sections of the um, railings to make sure that, like, people know that it's a no-go area along the railings. Right, very important jobs then. Yeah, 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 very, very important. And then. Um, I was stood by the front part of, of the vehicle. Kate was on the side, like, and I... The funny thing is, is whenever they were getting the intel, I was in hearing shot and, like, hearing all the intel and stuff. And at one point, they were saying, like, there were 16 riot bands. So I was straight on Facebook, like, 16 riot bands <laughs> in, in London, Trafalgar Square, you know? Yeah. And um, Fiona asked me to do some stuff like when she was presented the flowers and the chocolates on stage she needed me to hold them for for a bit afterwards um and and stuff like that really <laughs> you're right in there girl aren't you all these celebrities it was pretty cool i mean i mean at one point she was um smoking a fag and obviously because it's not the thing to go on stage with a fag no um she needed me, she needed me to hold that before she went out so i felt like i was our personal assistant of my hero it's like <laughs> awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh, so was, that was that was your highlight of Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I couldn't imagine the other volunteers had had those kind of jobs as well. So I felt like I was like 
her right hand woman like you know <laughs> brilliant so what was it like i've read lots of bits and seen lots of articles i gather that um kate shemonari was um quite outgoing on saturday I, I've been hearing that she riled the audience and the police and she was really stirring things up. What do you think? You were there. Riled's not the word. What she was doing was she was she was saying, can the men go and block? Because they were getting intel on which direction the police were going in. So they were, they were getting, she was asking the men to go and block and, and, and peacefully block them. And she kept saying in between, um, make make sure that you're peaceful. We're peaceful. We don't want to give them what they want. They want us to be arrested. Please be peaceful. So riled up. Yeah, I suppose in the way she speaks, riled up in the sense of to get us. You know, um, well, I suppose that's part of part and parcel of rally, but not riled up in an aggressive way. Or I don't know which which way you mean, really. Yeah, they were. They the police were. We were yeah. so peaceful, and the police were full on coming, like in ma- masses of them, weren't they? Yeah, the, from, yeah, yeah. And they were trying to get onto the stage. So we, yeah, she had to get people to go round the back to stop them getting there. Yeah, I mean, I was literally um, started biting into my McDonald's burger, and people were just running, running, and jumping over past me. And I was like, I've got to start getting this on Facebook Live, like you know. <laughs> so I had to drop drop my burger on the floor, like you know. Oh no. <laughs> It tastes better when they're cold, anyway. It takes a lot of me to do that with food, yeah. (laughs) So, all of the speakers... ...was full on, like, the the way the police were was disproportionate to how we were. We were just, we were all just stood there. There was music. They had a George uh, Michael singer, like, um, trippy person at first. Mm. It was all peaceful music. Mm. The whole thing is peaceful. The police were just, they they first started, the first hour, they infiltrated around the crowd... Um, well, not infiltrated, but they mingled and they were trying to get people to go home that way. But they were going up to people saying, if, if you don't go, we might arrest you. You know, you need to move on. And then by one o'clock, they all lined up and started to try and get through to the stage from behind. And that's when she had to get mm. loads of people mm. to go there, up there, just not to mm. fight them, but just stand there. Were they very forceful? It, like, it, it looks like when they were running, that it was, it was, it wasn't like, you know, they were just running up to be at the front line and they all linked hands and they all just stood there like, so it was, it was all peaceful. Mm. Right. Yeah. So was there any casualties on Saturday? Yes. Uh, how do you feel that the police, I mean, did these people ask for it? Were the police behaving appropriately? The video, the video I watched of the guy, I think he had a blue shirt, a blue top on i didn't see what happened beforehand the guy had only caught him as as the police were mobbing around him so i didn't see the footage beforehand um but he became i did see the footage from 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 then on to when they went past uh, the ambulance they didn't even put him in the ambulance but he went unconscious he was limp like anything he went unconscious and they still surrounded him and i just felt that was a bit like you know over the top um, they took him down. I mean, I, I don't know what he did, but if even if, say, what happened was he lashed out, I don't think he deserves being unconscious for that. That's not an equal. But I don't know what happened, um, whether they he did nothing and they grabbed him or what, because I couldn't see the footage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've seen quite a few videos of people that um, were part of, like, like, from men that were part of um, helping to stop the police coming in and they held them back for four hours they held the police back for four hours because they were trying to get in to get to the stage to get the speakers um 
So the people actually managed to hold the police back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Power to the people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they were coming from all, they were, they tried so many different tactics. So the first one was just going around to try and scare people away by talking to them. Then it was coming, there was just loads of them coming around the back. Then they went because they weren't able to get in. Then they came on horses. Right. So then they had to pull them again. They had to say, please, people go to the back, go to the left, go to the right. They, They were keeping an eye on what direction the police were coming from. And I went to have a look at one point and I could not believe it. Just down one street, all the way back from the protest. Anyone would think that there was a really violent protest going on because of the, the way the police were, um, were reacting. But there wasn't. It, but, but looking at the way the police were, you would assume that there was nothing going on. We were just everyone was just listening. And it's really good atmosphere, apart from when we had to go, where the people had to go and try and stop the police just by linking arms. Um, but yeah, at one point I looked down a road. It was just like a riot van upon riot van going all the way back. And they were just stood in a long line staring at us. Right, that was a bit weird. So it was really frightening. Weird seeing it was like it was like two, a, two parallel realities. It was like so the police are like acting like that, like as if there's something really dodgy going on when there isn't. Like we're all just peacefully standing here, like listening to speakers. But they were. It was. I'm wondering if it was to get a reaction, and also to so the media, if they do get any photos, they're going to see like it's a scare tactic, I suppose. Oh, I don't know, but but it got worse. I mean, after that. <clears throat> like then I left uh, to go and get a coffee and we were sort of sat to the side because they were going towards where I was she was really worried right but I was just like what it was so weird and um and then it got the police became more and more active but the process was getting more and more quiet because people were started going home so it's weird they brought the riot police in when most I'd say about half of the people had gone home by then it was about four or five o'clock. Yeah. So basically, in numbers, we were too much for them. Right. I think what what they were doing was waiting until the numbers had dwindled and then start yeah. bringing themselves in more. And that's when they went in because I've spoken to a few people that were there, and that's when um, they went in and got really the police got violent. Was when a lot of the protesters that had got has had gone. So it was like I wonder what their what the police's agenda was. They were obviously getting. Um, instructions from higher up sure uh, but yeah to go in go in at like four or five o'clock when, when well a third or the half of the people have got seems really odd that the the reaction to like nothing mm. so then i think yeah people were fed up and they did fight them because the police went in really heavy they were stood there in riot gear you know it's quite scary yeah yeah horses like something from a movie yeah. isn't it exactly so, i was sat there when i was drinking that coffee seeing them running up the road i was like what like what's happened what's going on i just couldn't believe it was a peaceful protest and and you see loads of these hundreds of like police officers just running in yeah. it's like why would you do that to innocent yeah, yeah. children mothers women old men old people do you know what i mean yeah yeah and and, and one one guy on the video said when they were all linking arms, there were people of different creeds, colours, there were old people, young people. There were all the mixes you could get all unified and all linking hands. And he said the media didn't want to take a photo of that. Do you know what I mean? If they were all white, they, they, they probably would They probably would have. Do you know what I mean? But because it didn't matter who we were, what colour, what creed, whatever, what age, whatever, everybody was, was unified. And that- must have been amazing you've just made my hair stand up on my arms so you know when you feel that that must have been amazing to stand amongst that and be with all those people doing that i was in i I wasn't with them on the front line um i was in i was in the 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 pen thing but that was what the guy said in his in his in his video i mean I, i saw them run over the gates towards the police and i was i was quite near i was i was quite in front of that i I saw one 
sorry, Kate, Kate Shemarani's video when she was shouting out for everybody to link arms and not let them through and stuff. She was very good at countering every single move that they made. I'm hoping the ones this Saturday um, copy, uh, make sure that they've got the people that she did to go and see what's happening to then come back to her, telling her so that she can block them every turn. It'd be really good if, if it was copied for this Saturday as well. Yeah, I wonder if there's going to be a, a bigger police turnout this Saturday. Probably, and we're going to need we're going to need that strategy. We're going to need to hold them back, and I'm prepared to go in the front line this time. Do you know what I mean? So good for you. I good for you. Arms to, to stop it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, well, it was so bizarre watching. The, it was so bizarre watching the police. It was like they were at a completely different place to us. Like, yeah, because when we got Charlie out, and then we all walked back up, sort of near Twelve Square, we were up on these steps of a church to the side. So we were watching from the outside and it was like, what is going on? It's the police that were running around making loads of chaos and there was nothing going, but there's, you know what I mean? It just yeah. seems really weird. Yeah, they didn't like, need to be there. Sirens going and, and it just makes me think, well, what, it's like they were trying to make something out of nothing. That's what it seemed like. Mm. Mm. So what else has been happening? Have you been in Gazer's pen? What's going on with Gazer? Well, we heard that he got arrested. Uh, I think it was the day of the protest. I think it happened but for four hours. We'll find out more tomorrow as we're going to go over there for the whole day. We're going to be there 11 till 5. All right. I hope you can do some live news feeds. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think what he got arrested for. It was the same reason Piers gave me just now, actually. Um, something really he stupid. No, it's, it's all paperwork, safety restrictions, something like that. Um, I, saw the, I, I saw the video. He didn't do anything. No, no. <laughs> this is, this is what, what people don't understand, is these people are getting arrested for doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're coming up with stupid rules. It's like, oh, well, we've now found this. Um, you haven't got this certificate in place, so you can't do it. And, you know, they bring it out the night before the protest or something. Well, but, Kate, well Kate and Fiona did, 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 did what was asked. They did, they, they did all the, the, the paperwork and stuff. And there's no need to act like that towards innocent people who have the right to assemble. I mean... You, well, you got to remember with 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 common law. Common law is that you can't bring in a government can't bring in a rule afterwards, and it be more important than, than common law. Now, common law states that one of our freedoms is the right to assemble. You can't just take that away. So, if people believe that our right to assemble, our right to stand there peacefully, is a crime, then we have a major problem. Yeah. Well, we well, it's a crime now to breathe, isn't it? Without a mask, so yeah. <laughs> we do have a major problem on our hands. Um, yeah. And oh, we, yeah, we were quite shocked yesterday because we were walking down the road and a mother was walking along. She had a mask on. It's really, it's been blistering like heat up in London. And um, there was a child, he looked about six or seven or something, and he was riding a bike. Right. He had a mask on, and we, we, I just said, oh, my God, I'm really, like, worried. I can't believe she's letting him wear a mask while cycling in the heat. <laughs> so um, we did actually go up to her, and um, Charlie really um, tactfully sort of said about how people and kids in China had dropped. We couldn't remember if they dropped dead or just dropped unconscious from wearing masks and running. So we just told her that this... we you know this had happened um and she really appreciated actually and she said thanks for telling me so that was good oh that's good because it yeah. could have gone the other well, way really couldn't it a bit scared of confrontation but charlie um managed it really well yeah good need people like you guys yeah 
<laughs> just coming from a place of caring about that child because yeah. if you do any more exercise than walking you need more oxygen therefore the mask is stopping you from having that extra oxygen it makes common sense mm. that if you're if you're going to be running or biking or whatever to to not wear a mask yeah, really. just to breathe ah, just to naturally breathe uh, simple yeah. things a simple right yeah yeah, yeah. So you're all set for Saturday and I haven't had a chance to put it up yet, but the Grow, the Go Crowd Me Fund, we did raise the money for Gazer's Leisure Battery. Yay! Yay! So thank you everybody that donated. That is being delivered to him tomorrow. So I don't, I'm not exactly sure what he's planning on doing because he's not talking in Trafalgar Square. I'm presuming he's going to be talking from his pen at some point on Saturday. I don't know yeah. if the plan on Saturday is another march like we did last time or if it's just um, just in Trafalgar Square. Do you know yeah, anything? Yeah, we don't know. Either. No, no, we don't know because we didn't know last time whether it was going to be a march or whatever. But I, I just thought after a few hours being there, I, I just couldn't do a march anyway. But I don't know what's happening this Saturday. Um, probably best to speak to Save Our Rights because they're the... Um, the organisers. Is, is it them that's organised? I think it is, isn't it? Save Our Rights. Yeah, they I think would know so. whether, they're, whether they're planning on doing a march afterwards or not. I guess that that was awesome last time, wouldn't it? Marching yeah. down with all oh, those people. No, I love that. It was like, yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, when are you guys heading back to good old sunny Cornwall? <laughs> or are you never coming back? <laughs> After my experience the other day. <laughs> What's that? You're yeah. uh, holding a fag for um, Fiona. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh yeah 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 that of course i mean we're busy mates now like you know the shisha thing you oh yeah we went to a, a shisha bar and had a really good time smoking this shisha pipe oh that's and the video that i saw of um on your yeah, directly cornwall your martha the marshall's latest um you know so uh, video yeah so you can do that in london can you oh yeah it, it, it's nothing illegal in it it's it's just herbal stuff oh it does it do anything you, but, but it's, it's nothing horrible but the funny thing is is because it looks the way it looks like i thought i could record it and make it look like it's something else ah, i see right okay <laughs> yeah i saw the video loved it <laughs> so um charlie in a couple of weeks time you've got your own little thing going on um with martha the marshal would you like to um plug it in for us please and tell us what it's all about yeah sure uh basically the idea is because um, Boris Johnson said about there being, he wants COVID secure marshals to enforce, that was the wording, to enforce um, COVID rules. Now, I don't mind the marshals doing guidance, um, but becoming like little Hitlers and enforcing things I have an issue with. So I decided, well, I'm Martha Marshall. I act like Martha Marshall and do me, do me things. Why can't we have real marshals, but on the side of the people to make sure that these people don't try to enforce them? So I thought, right, well, what can we do? And I thought, right, OK, so we could just march or, well, I say march because it's a Martha's march, but we just walk um, <laughs> through the town with the high-vis jackets um, to basically give the presence that there is another um another side that um 
is against the thing of enforcement, if you get what I mean. Sure, sure. Is is this happening a lot then, is it? Um, I haven't seen much of Marshall's being about, but I've tried to not go to any towns or anything at the well, moment. Before, before Boris sprang this one out, there were some on, in Penzance on Saturday. On Saturdays, um, there has been some in other areas, um, but I think it's probably because of the way he's phrasing things, it's probably going to become more of a thing. I even saw someone with a yellow jacket in Weatherspoons in London, so I don't know what that is. I don't know. Oh, the people standing on the door. We, yes, yeah. We've had our first experience of the people. <laughs> I don't know who that is. QR code, scanning the QR you know. codes. That is well, someone working for Weatherspoons, so yeah. they've got them on the door. Um, so as you go in, you have to like deal with them. So um, you can't get in unless you've got a code? Well... We luckily the, um, we were with Steve and he had the bright idea of um, asking for the paper version, so we didn't have to use the QR code. Oh, well done, Steve! And obviously, he wrote a yeah, he wrote a um, a different name and number. Of course, <laughs> yeah, that was really good thinking. I, I refused. I, I, I blatantly yeah. refused because um, even if I write down a fake name and whatever, I just don't agree with it because yeah. I've taken an oath, which means I can't write in black pen. So right. any name I write down in black pen, in my mind, I shouldn't be writing down because it's, it's the black pen thing I've promised not to write down in. So I won't do it at all. <laughs> so, right, this is a really stupid question. So do you never write in a black pen anymore? <laughs> no, because that's, that's part of the oath. Okay, that's interesting. Right, best not get you a black pen for Christmas then or something. Uh, it's, it's common law. It's when you take the oath of the... Uh, article 61 of the Magna Carta to the 25 barons you're not supposed to write your name or even a false name really I don't know whatever you're not supposed to write in, in black you, you can write in blue or purple or whatever but um, you can't write in black okay no black pens <laughs> I remember that very interesting <laughs> so you thought he always carries black pens with them <laughs> <laughs> I'm into pencils I am I love a sharp pencil yeah, cool. I, I don't know if it's because oh, yeah, I, have, I haven't. I haven't said the sorry. I haven't set the date and time. Um, oh, sorry. The, the Marshall March is in Penzance. It's on October the third, Saturday, October the third at eleven a.m. and it starts at the Woffside car park. Brilliant. Have you got many lined up? <laughs> it sounds the definites that are going. The de- people are definitely going is around the figure of about 10 and the one and the the list of the maybe list people who might be going is around about i think it's about 11 so maybe if five maybe if half of the maybes turned up it would probably be about 15 people so far brilliant are you are you hanging out hanging out sorry are you handing out leaflets and stuff as well is it going to be a bit like some of the other demonstrations we've been to well yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm asking this bloke to send some around. If he can send some in time, I can. I can get some leaflets done. If not, you know. But I do want to say this is a martial march. It's an original idea. It's not a protest. It's not about carrying ban- banners or saying anything. It's just about peacefully walking through. And I did have some one one person not understand what I was meaning, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'll go up to a COVID marshal and and talk whatever." And I said, and I was like, "No, it's not about that." Um, it's just about walking past them is a presence enough. And then when we get to St. John's Hall, I'm going to do a, a recording and the recording is going to be the, me- the the message that the public need to know and the COVID secure and the, the COVID secure um, marshals need to know. And that's all you need to do, really. There's no need to be 
conf- you know, no, don't need to be confrontational. Yeah. At the end I of the mean, day, they are doing a job. It's a shit job, yeah. but they're doing it's a job. It's not about giving them grief no. unless they start giving the public grief by enforcing. That's when you, you know, if you go up to them when, when they're not doing anything and they're just standing there, well, that's that, that's being just as bad. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know. Because what are they supposed to do? Like, walk left, walk right, social distance. <laughs> Is that the aim of them? Well, before Boris said enforce the rules, they were basically... They were supposed to be just just supposed to be doing guidance stuff, so um, giving people advice and doing guidance, not being bossy. Right. Um, if it changes and they become bossy, then we'll we'll deal with that. Then I guess. Right. And have you had to inform the police about this happening at all? Well, it's it. I was under the impression that you only have to um, you only have to let the police know if it's a protest and it's not a protest. Cool. Cool. That's the understanding I have. I don't know whether that's true or not. Right. Well, like you say, it's not a pro- protest. It's a peaceful march or walk. It's an original idea. It's 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 just from an original idea. So, therefore, because it's new, I'm guessing I don't need to really tell the police. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to give them a heads up because, you know, just to turn up so that they can give me £10,000. Oh, £10,000. Fine, yeah. Oh, you wouldn't have to pay it anyway. Chatting to Piers earlier, he he doesn't think he'll have to pay his. He's got two £10,000 fines, so think how he feels. <laughs> but, um, oh, it's great stuff. I mean, these original ideas, and it's little things I was thinking we can plan. I mean, those of you listening, join join your local tree faction group. We're um, part of Campbell, Newquay, and Penzance tree faction group and other groups on Facebook. But as Piers was saying earlier about getting into your local towns at a certain time each day and mingling, I think there should be an m- amount of us that go to Aldi, don't all walk in together, but let's arrange for us to go. Hang on, let's say somewhere posh, actually, like Marks and Spencers. Um, but without our masks, let people feel the presence of more unmasked people than masks in the shop. It costs nothing. But if you can get a couple of people to just slip that mask off their face and think, oh, they're doing it. Yeah. Nothing's being said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, That's a brilliant idea. If you set a date and time or whatever, I think like a load of people will just like, go and do that because you need that really don't you but perhaps we should have a day where we like right tomorrow we'll well we'll start at tesco's at 10 then we'll do um marks and spencers at 11 and yeah we could just go through hmm. it, the idea is yeah. just to get people yeah, back to normality true. of not wearing yeah. a mask hmm. so maybe start um, with one face at a time so do truro first but then maybe do penzance another day or something yeah yeah it's better for everyone to go to each one or just people that live in that area to do their area or what yeah yeah, we need to get rid of these masks. I think they're the first thing that's got to go. When people start taking off their masks, it's almost like yeah. I'm free. Um, yeah. And there are so many people that want to take them off, but they're so scared. And it's, uh, come on, people, we're going to lose that fear. Nobody's going to say anything. You just yeah. literally say, I'm exempt. And if they ask you, they're not allowed to. It's none of their business. And you can then take yeah. their details and report them. So, um, yes. So... Oh, experience with kids the other day didn't we in an art school oh yeah oh god that was shocking wasn't it mm. we were walking past an art school um in a street round here and we couldn't believe it we looked in the window and these children they all looked about they were under 10 and they were all sat doing art in their own separate little booths with masks on oh really my god day in this place and all the teachers walk around with masks on was it and a school it was like an art school yeah 
Oh, that's awful. We walked past this day, so we took the name down. Um, and we, I went in and just said, look, I think it's really sad that these children are wearing masks. It's really hot. It's bad for their health. And then Charlie and Steve, like, backed me up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went in talk, talking and I, and I said, and, and I said, it's child abuse. I said, they're breathing in their own CO2. And I said, I said, um, Boris says that under 11s don't have to wear masks. So why are you making them wear masks? Mm. And, and, and he closed the door on me. So I just made my voice louder so they could hear me. <laughs> then the woman opened the door and then she, she started to, to, to shut, shut the door that, that was in front of me, basically on me. Right. And I said to her, if you touch me, I'm going to call the police. And then she goes, I'm not going, I'm not going to. And then I just, and then I just stepped back and walked off. Oh, that is so sad. But she actually thought it was okay to push that, that door like on me. I was like, yeah, you ain't going to be able to do anything, love. Cause I mean, oh, I'm quite strong. So I was just, <laughs> there, just like, you know, you are a marshal after all. Well, you know, yeah. But what the woman said to me was, which I was really surprised, the first thing she said to me when I went in was she said, well, it's better that we have the door open, isn't it? So it's like that's what her justification for them wearing masks. So they could, so, well, at least, you know, well, it's better to have the door open. Oh so it's like as if God. they didn't have a mask on, they wouldn't let the door open. It's like, what, what do they think is going to happen? COVID's going to creep through the door. What are they on about? <laughs> well, we know that it creeps in now after 10 o'clock anyway. You know, you can't yeah, be... Um, yeah. It is time restricted, and as David Ark said last week, the week before last, actually, it's probably mm. a couple of weeks ago. It's got tape measures. It <laughs> it can read yeah. calendars. It can tell the time. It's a very clever yeah. thing. Oh, this it's COVID. Very, very it is. It yeah. is. And I'm. Uh, I had an experience in in the cherry. Sh- we went into a cherry shop, and the lady said about wearing a mask, and I said I'm exempt. And then she goes, "Can you show me your card, please?" And I said, "No." I said because I don't have to tell you what I'm exempt from. And she goes, "Well, anyone can say I'm exempt." And I, I we just stayed in the charity shop for a while just to protest, basically. And <laughs> it's like she has absolutely no right to ask me for a card. All you have to say for anyone that's listening is the words "I'm exempt." And if they don't like it, just stay. You have that right to stay. Do you know what I mean? It's not. You know, if people are not, if people who have disabilities are not allowed in because they they cannot wear a mask, that is discrimination, and it, it goes against the Discrimination Act um, from 2010, the Equalities Act, isn't it from 2010? So, yeah. Oh, it's, it's heartbreaking seeing these things. Did, did you get a photo? We were get, we went back, but they were kids weren't in there that day. Right. Oh, that that is, like you say, it's just child abuse. I saw today, um, I know I've mentioned it already, a school trip going and all of their hands, they were all putting their hands under the sanitizer while the teachers squirted onto their hands before they got on board. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, my son won't be going on any school trips. I've written, well, I've not written, I've voiced it, and I am going to write to the school to make sure that he doesn't use hand sanitizer, and I need to find out the curriculum. It It has alcohol, you name it. I mean, they say alcohol's bad enough for us to drink, don't they? So why is it allowed on our skin? Um, The the, the only shop in Penzance that that sells non-toxic stuff is in Archie Brown's, um everywhere else sells it so all these things at the door it's going to have toxins in it they ain't going to buy a, a, a more expensive one in archie browns are they no i'll just go back to good old hand washing and soap soap and water yeah. <laughs> we know it's not yeah. necessary anyway a good old few germs are good for you um 
yes scary times at the moment and i am i wanting to write to my school to find out my son's school to find out what their curriculum is about and what they're being taught because i know in the reading tree they had books on what infections are and there was something about covid and i thought i I, it's not going to be brainwashed over any of this in school so um i think lots of you have to ask your schools what are they doing and put in a letter and request do not use that hand sanitizer on my child etc you just need to know what your school's going on what's going on at your school and the sexualization of of the things they have planned to teach children in school. I, I, if I was a parent, I would also be going in and telling them, you you better not be teaching my my kid about about stuff at age four because that is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think in all fairness, I was speaking to somebody about this the other day, and I don't know whether it's right or wrong. They said they were introducing these new talks so that children can identify that if they are being abused in any way, that that child will speak out and realise that those parts are theirs. Um, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I don't know. But sex and things like I that. Think children know. I think children know. I don't think they have to have those lessons to know. Yeah. No, I think I, you're I think right. Did we talk about this before? Um, you know, many years ago. Um I don't know. I mean, my son's at a very curious age. He's at, what, seven? He's watching these rubbish videos on YouTube. I've just had to stop it. These girls, I mean, it's borderline stuff. He can get away with it. But, like, these girls acting out like they're pregnant and stuff. And he's very fascinated at the moment. <laughs> and I'm like, just turn this rubbish off. You yeah. stick to kids' YouTube. You yeah. don't need to be watching this. When you say that girls pretend that they're pregnant, what do you mean? Well, they're just acting out these, you know, like Ryan's toy review. You probably don't because you two haven't got children. You're not um, subjected to the torment that I am. <laughs> and it's not even like there's just five channels anymore. They come in from school and stick on, I don't know, whatever channel, Milkshake, Monkey, Channel 5 and stuff. They're, they're all on YouTube watching stuff. Unfortunately, we have got yeah. kids YouTube, but you still need to police it. But um, he wasn't on kids' YouTube. And then, of course, he gets taken down a rabbit hole on YouTube. He's watching something. Then it's led it on to something else. And these girls, I mean, they're, they're in short skirts and stuff like that. And they're just pretending to have a baby. And then when the baby comes, it's like an animal and stuff. We, we can get it and see his humour. They're messing around. But he's far too young to be watching stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Probably about 16. Probably about 16, Nina. Oh, OK. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I think with, with parents, if parents sit their child down and just say, look, this is, if, if anything like, if anything like descriptions, if anything like this happens, um, it means whatever, just come to me and tell me. I think it's a parent's job to do that, not a school. Yeah. It's not, is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good debate, actually, because I'm not sure. I think if it's perhaps put across, I mean, I can remember being about... 10 and having the women's talk at school and it was so exciting so exciting you know being told about periods and things and it was like wow <laughs> and then everybody's in the toilets after saying i think i've just started my period <laughs> you know we're all children are all interested aren't they and my daughter i gave her a facts of life book and i think she read it in about two hours <laughs> but then she was the one that went into school and told everybody else so i got the blame for that but <laughs> I don't know, it's a really tricky one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely. another whole debate, isn't it? It is, yeah. But I, th- I think it's definitely worth parents writing to their schools and finding out what is on the curriculum for their children. Yeah. That is my one of my top jobs to do and write to my MP. That um, yeah. needs to be done this week. Yeah. So, 
any other back gossip protest, girls way, back to the protest more pe- yeah pe- more people than last time and, yeah um i was chat- uh, watching a video from a guy that was there in the front line you know put- keeping the police back and he was they were chatting about you know is this going to get bigger and bigger and he said well it started off with 400 people well four about 50 people on hyde park in the yeah. corner back in may and it has grown and grown and grown so it is going to grow and grow and grow so that's really good brilliant yeah i mean i'm in the pro- process now of trying to organize a second coach because we've had so much mm. interest um yeah, she's got 17 seats left 17 seats left guys 44 pound a person coming from hale going up the a38 then the m5 and m4 any stops on the way um if they're on the motorway we can stop off at a service station so pm me um, if we can get 17 bums on seats, the coach will go. And that'll be massive to think yeah. two coaches coming from Cornwall. Um, so I've got to let the bus company know tomorrow by 11 o'clock. Unfortunately, they can't hold up till Friday because obviously they've got to organise drivers and stuff. But um, yeah. we're doing our bit and there's lots of interest. There's lots of hate as well, lots of fear. I'm putting these adverts up and people are like, oh, you deserve to die. And <laughs> but, you know, just goes over my head now. I'm not worried. Take yeah. the hate, take the hate. Yeah. Um, it comes with the territory now, doesn't it? It's like, there we go. Yeah, it does. Yeah, when you stop worrying about what other people think about you yeah. and stuff, um, life starts getting good. So yeah. uh, you start to be free, then, don't you? Oh, definitely. I feel the freest I've ever felt. And yeah. um, yeah. we are living in such exciting times, uncertain times, but we are fighting and we are making a difference. We are waking people up, and yeah. as we said before, <laughs> plant seeds, and that's all you can hope for, really. And I think people, the, the people that are coming out of the woodworks and we're all realising that, that we all can see the truth, we all seem to be like a big family. It just seems like we we need each other. We're in a time now where we need each other. We can't just be in our own homes and getting on with our own lives. We need each other to survive this. And I think we're all coming together uh, and feeling unified. Do you know what I mean? Oh, most definitely. I say, like, since I've met you two and everybody else, I, I feel complete. I've got my friends list. You know, I've got I've got friends, of course, I've got friends, like old friends, they'll always be good friends and stuff, but I've yeah. met people on my level, and it's so lovely yeah. to be able to talk to people about it and do something. I, I literally feel like this is what I'm meant to be doing, and I think it's taken yeah. a long time to get to this point. So, do you um, feel alive? I, I certainly do. I feel like I'm, I'm living my truth. I feel too alive. I can't bloody sleep anymore. It's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. every day... <laughs> It's like I've got so much to do and there aren't enough hours in the day. And obviously I'm not getting paid for any of this. And it's just dropping messages and sharing stuff. And in a way, I'll be relieved like when this bus stuff is all sorted for Saturday. But then it's like, is it going to go? Is there going to be another protest? But now I know what I'm doing. It'll be easier. But I need to set up a different way for payments and things. Because obviously like 45 people in one coach, they're all sending you private messages and you're checking if they paid. It's just like, I go to bed and I think, I need to unwind, but it's midnight and I'm going to have to be up at like six o'clock, you know. But I do feel alive. Thank you for asking. You're you're doing a great job and and because um, when you were planning the one before, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to have gone up to the protest if it wasn't for your coach thing. Um, so you do an amazing job because um, probably a lot of them felt the same, probably that they wouldn't have been able to maybe, I don't know. But they- no, thank you. Um, there's lots of people that say, have messaged me and said, I'm going to brave it by myself. And I said, well, most of the people did that last time. Everybody's of like-minded. We all stayed together. We were all there as a family. It didn't. It didn't matter that you didn't know each other. 
So, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Just got little things to do, like clear out my phone so I've got loads of room for video footage and photos and just silly things. I've ordered a little chair that I can sit on, you know, getting old. I need to be comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my we'll lovelies. Meet up as well, won't we? we'll Sorry? Meet up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm going to have to get in with um, Charlie and, you know, I might get to hold yeah. a fag for someone or something. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't think David Icke smokes, but perhaps I could pass him a drink of water. Maybe we can get him to start smoking so that you can hold it for him. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? For something. I could just hold something for him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. A pen or something. Not a black one, though. A black pen. Blue or, blue or purple. Yeah. <laughs> right, my lovelies. As usual, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. The show is coming to an end, guys. So thank you for listening. And before we, we will be back next week, same time, half past eight. Um, and any messages, we've got obviously Martha the Marshall, Charlie Rainbow, Directly Cornwall Radio News, Nina L. Erdston. <laughs> I just can't say it. I'm sorry, I just can't say it. Just say Nina E. From Directly Cornwall. All right. Nina, News, can you just that. change your name like Charlie did? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah do that, do that. She'll call herself. Nina Sunshine. Yes. Yay. Then we've got Charlie Rainbow, Nina Sunshine. Love it. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Anyone want to be Cloud for the, ne- the last name? Any <laughs> listeners out there? <laughs> right. Well, we know what we've got to do. We've got one verse of our song, ladies. Yeah. Yep. We are the 99%. We know we're doing We Are The 99%. Should we put in an actual verse as well, not just the chorus? Okay. What I verse mean, do you want? Rather not, you know what I mean? Because there's diff- all those different choruses all right. there. Go so, on. Um, Choose a verse. Hmm? Should we do like I'd rather be human, not a slave? Yes. Or okay, do that one. Have your stinking masks up your ass. No, human. Human art. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Right. But we'll just start off with the night. We are the ninety nine percent. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. Anyways, we finish off. With okay, it, we'll we? finish off with that. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, so. Ready. Go. Should I do? Who wants to do the calling? Y- you do it first. One, okay. two, three. Three. I'd rather be a human than a slave. Oh, I'd rather be a human than a slave. Oh, I'd rather, rather be a human, rather be a human, rather be a human than a slave. Singing, we are the 99%. Yeehaw! Singing, we are the 99%. Singing, we are the 90. We are the 90. We are the 99%. Woo! See you all again, ladies. Night, guys. Bye. Bye.